0: So good to celebrate him this morning. So good to worship with you. Why don't you grab a seat? Grab a seat. Well, it's so good to have you here. If we've not met, my name is Dean, and uh, great to be with you this morning. I, uh, if you don't know me as well, I have a, a seven-year-old son. His name's Levi. Uh, one of the things I love about having, uh, a, you know, a seven-year-old, is the opportunity to kind of explain things about how life works. Uh, do we have any Voltron fans by any chance here? Raise your hand. Give me a hand. We got a few. There we go. Travis, come on. Should know. That's it, Mac. We got, got a few. Uh, Voltron was in the 80s. It's this cartoon about these lions. There's five lions, and they're different. They all have different powers, but they come together, and they form Voltron, who's the defender of the universe. To be honest, I'm surprised you haven't heard of him because he's kind of a big deal. But... Um, Voltron's a great cartoon. Now, it was awesome. There's a new one. It's on Netflix. How many people have heard of Netflix? Probably a few more hands there. Can I can have some, some hands. So, we, we know Netflix. Now, on Netflix, uh, there's a new version of Voltron. And so, it's been awesome to introduce uh, Levi to, to Voltron. And so, he's been watching on there. Now, the thing about them, though, is if you, you know, Netflix is like the people who made that, they kind of know what they're doing, don't they? They're kind of big on, we can keep you watching this for potentially hours and hours and hours and hours of time, right? So every time he gets to the end of an episode of Voltron, and they're great episodes, do not get me wrong, but he gets to the end and we're like, okay, it's time to turn it off. And he always feels like, no, wait, just like kind of one more. Can I just, one more. And, and every time it gets to that point, I'm like, no, no, no. No, that's it. We're turning it off. But I got to see what happens. I'm like, look, look, I understand. I want to see other people on this sea planet get, you know, freed from their bondage on, uh, to slavery on that sea planet as much as you do. But Levi, you've just got to understand something. Every time you watch this show, it will always leave you wanting more. And, and, I, and, I, and he's like, no, but just this one time, no, let me just explain to you how this works. You just have to understand, buddy. This is how we got here. There was a group of really smart people. They met in a boardroom somewhere, probably California, maybe Tokyo. (laughs) They sat there and they all thought, how can we create a toy that children all around the world will want to purchase so that we could live in bigger houses and drive better cars? And then they got together some people who could draw and make cartoons, and they all sat down, and then they said, yes, we'll create this cartoon, and then we'll, we'll, we'll work really well. So some more smart people said, we'll write these stories, and we'll make sure that every time a story ends, somebody wants to watch just one more And I told him, don't get caught in the marketing machine that is the 21st century. Just walk away. Walk away. he looks at me and says, Dad, thank you. (laughs) He said, I don't don't know if my other friends are getting this explained to them as well as you have to me. And armed with this knowledge, I feel completely equipped to resist the pull of Voltron. Beautiful parenting moments, what I do. But um, so, you know, he shuts it off. I'm like, sweet, let's turn on the Cavs game, hey. And um, so it always works every time. And um, here's the thing. Uh, We all live, if we're not, it's kind of fun. And you you can see this when you talk to little kids sometimes. And, you know, sort of, oh, this is actually what's going on here. But uh, all of us actually live in and inhabit a world where multiple forces conspire to try and push us in certain directions, pull us in certain directions, try to get us leaving us wanting a little more of this, a little more of that. And we can laugh at it when we explain it to kids at times, but the reality is we can end up walking through life a little bit blind to all the forces at work that are telling us this is what you should want more of. This is what you should be pursuing. This is what you should be going after. And, you know, this time of year is coming up towards the we're, we're into November. I've had a conversation. You might have had a conversation like this. I've had several conversations with different people uh, where we just kind of some will reflect. It's often making small talk in a shop or something like that. And you just kind of chat with somebody like, wow, it's November. Can you believe it? Like it's almost going to be Christmas. And then you kind of, oh, this next little while is going to be so busy. And, and that kind of conversation happens. And, and, and you know what? Even it, here's the thing. We're all going to be coming up into a season of life where there's all kinds of things pushing and pulling for our attention, pushing and pulling for this is what you should be focused on. And I thought this is probably a great time of year to stop and say, what are we pursuing? And what does it actually look like to be a people who pursue God above all else? This series is going to be called The Pursuit of God over the next three weeks. And you might be here today and you sort of think, pursuit of God. You know what, I don't know much about God. I want to know what God is like. I hope that you are going to have an incredible journey over this next few weeks. of Seeing what it's like to actually go after, seek after, pursue God. Some of you may be here and you're like, you know what, I pursue God. I feel like I found God. You know, I feel like there was a point in my life where I sort of came to understand who he, who he is and what he's like, and so what does it mean to still pursue him? I already found him. I already know. who. He... For every human, the pursuit of God, I will suggest you is, one, the single greatest quest you can go on. And two, it is a lifelong pursuit for everyone. Those of us who have walked with God for a while, we never want to be like people who got married and thought, that's it. I knew my spouse, all there was to know. We are all invited into the the, the one journey that should always leave us wanting more, the pursuit of God. And so over the next uh, few weeks, we're going to be unpacking this. Today, we're going to dive in and just sort of ask the question, what does it look like to pursue God? What does this pursuit look like? What does it take? What does it require of you and of me? And we're going to look at the story of Abraham. He started out Abram. His name was later changed. We're going to look, go back to the beginning of his journey of pursuing God, of walking with God, of beginning to know who God is. And his story really kicks off for us in Genesis chapter 12, and it kind of starts like this. God is going to speak to him. And we're told that the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. This is where Abram's journey kind of begins in earnest. God comes to him, speaks to him, and says, I want you to go. I want you to leave basically everything you've known. And I want you to go to the place I'm going to show you. I want you to come on a journey of following me. I want you to, to begin to pursue me and walk with me. And we get to learn a lot from Abram about what it looks like to be people who pursue God. Abram's life is always lifted up to us. as the picture of what faith looks like and the journey of faith looks like. The thing I want us to wrap our, our minds around today is, is this idea. That the pursuit of God, actually, not just knowing about God, not just knowing a little bit more uh, uh, about the by the journey of knowing God, pursuing God, Himself, the living God, always starts with leaving. Abram, here's a little background on, on Abram, or Abe as we used to call him back in the day. He grew up in uh, kind of a big city, the big city of Ur. And, uh, you know, just two letters, Ur. Uh, you might know it, you used to always have their t-shirts, I love Ur, and, you know, it's popular place. And you're around in the ancient Near East. And, um, you know, it was like 4,000 years ago. But, uh, you know, in its day, it was a thriving metropolis. It was a, it was a place of influence. Imagine that they inhabited a world nowhere near as domesticated as what we live in today. They lived in a world that was full of kind of, uh, you know, the, the wildness and And lots to be afraid of. Ur was a city that thrived on kind of idol worship. And they lived in a system where it's like, you know, the city in kind of an untamed world represented safety. It represented security. You know, if you left the city, there were no kind of four-lane highways lit up in the night to tell you where you were going. To leave the city was to leave the only kind of place of security and solace in an otherwise pretty unknown, dangerous world. And Ur was one of these metropolis, like I said, it thrived on idol worship. We find out in the book of Numbers that Abraham's dad uh, was in the business of manufacturing idols. And all these idols, they lived in a world full of idols and all these things. It was sort of like, we got to appease all these gods. We don't really know them or what they're like. And we better appease them so that our lives will go well or we'll be prosperous or or all these things could happen. And Abraham's family uh, appears to have grown somewhat kind of wealthy and well off. Via this business, but at some point his family left Ur and they settled in another smaller city called Haran. And that's where they were when God speaks again to him and says, I want you to leave. I want you to leave everything you've known. I want you to leave your your nation, I want you to leave your country, I want you to leave your your people, I want you to leave your father's household, I want you to walk away from all the safety and security that you think you could even find in this city, and I want you just to go into the great unknown, to a land I'll show you when you get there. Do you know the call to pursue God always involves leaving? We have to be willing to actually turn our backs on Other things that we would have once looked to for security, purpose, meaning, we actually have to be willing to leave those things and say, I'm no longer going to pursue these things, I'm going to pursue God. You know, there's three things we see Abram kind of instructed specifically that he's going to have to leave. Think about the weight of these three things. He says, first off, I want you to leave your, your country, I want you to leave your people, I want you to leave your father's household. You know, every one of us is born into a country, a nation, a culture. We are born into a, a particular time and place in history. And that culture that we're born into will always seek to kind of tell us, this is what you should pursue. This is what life's about. This is where security is to be found. This is where prosperity is to be found. This is what it's all about. Culture does that. and We're just kind of born into it. We don't even... It's the water we swim in, as they say. You sometimes don't even know it. I was getting my hair cut at the barber shop a, a, a little while back. The guy cutting my hair had just bought a house. His first home buyer, he's getting ready to get married. And, and he was talking about how he's just bought this house. And then the, the older g- guy who kind of runs the shop was uh, kind of in the chair next to us. And he said, Oh, you live in the dream, mate. Bought a house, the Australian dream. You have a mortgage, you can work the rest of your life to pay off. <laughs> Living the dream, great job. <laughs> and he's kind of teasing him, but this is, you know, you, you get born into a culture and somehow culture sets up, this is it, this is the path, you should do this. Do we ever stop and even ask ourselves, what am I pursuing? Abram it says he's got to leave his people. You know, do you know that the, the, probably the force that exerts some of the most influence as well over our lives are our peers, our friends. Whenever I talk to, you know, young people still in school or I always tell them, you know, like, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Many of you know that phrase. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. The people that we most closely associate with will always have an incredible influence over the kind of people we become. The people we spend the most time with. I heard a whole podcast once, a guy just on, you know, this one, some podcast. A guy did a whole thing pretty much on how most of us are really kind of the sum total of our five closest friends. Just the reality is, you stop and you think about it and who's influenced you the most. Some of the most influence we ever have is our people. Are are you willing to... God says to Abraham, you're going to have to leave all the people you knew and all the things they thought life was about. And all the, I want you to be willing to leave all that and come follow me. Come pursue me instead. You know, when I was growing up, my dad used to always say this saying. Some of you may have heard it. He said, you know, you're the same person today that you will be five years from now, except for the books that you read and the people that you meet. And most of us, we pretty much kind of stay how we are until what changes our lives? Usually it's people who come into our lives. It's new ideas and new thoughts, and we take things. But what that means is people are one of the greatest influences over who we are. God tells Abram, you're going to have to leave your people. And he tells him, and you're going to have to leave your family, leave your father's household. You know, it is one of the single greatest influencing factors that shapes what we want, want more of, how we do life, what we lean into. Not just the culture we're born into, but also the family we're born into. We're doing pre-marriage counseling with a couple this week. And every couple that we do that with, one of the things we always talk about is your family of origin. What's the family like that you grew up in? Because you grow up in a family and you just think, this is how life is. This is what life's like. This is how you do things. And there's nothing like marriage to give you a cold dose of. That's not how it happens everywhere. (laughs) That's just the reality. Families we grow up. Now, God says to Abram, you, Abram, I'm calling you to leave all of that and come follow me. You have to be willing to leave all of that and come follow me. This is what it looks like to pursue God. This is what faith looks like. Now what does that mean for us? So Dean, is it like, I mean, this is kind of a different one. So you tell me I should like kind of leave the country, leave my family, leave my friends. That's usually we feel a little bit more kind of, oh, it's good to have friends. (laughs) Oh, it's good to have family. <laughs> here's, what, here's what we have to understand about Abraham. His life itself is like a prophetic picture of what it looks like to follow God in faith. Not every person, as we know throughout the scriptures, is called to literally leave the country they live in and go elsewhere. Not every person is called to, to leave their father's household and go to a, a totally different space like that. Not every person is called to just completely head into the total unknown. But what we realize is this is a picture of what faith, while Abraham lived it out in a very physical way, it is something every one of us has to live out in a very spiritual way. You know, Jesus would say in his day, you know what? Anybody who doesn't, you know, isn't willing to leave their father and mother, they can't, they're not worthy to come follow me. We all have to be willing. This is the kind of crux of it. We have to be willing to leave the other pursuits of life to say what will matter most to me, above all else, is the pursuit of God. That to the point that I, would be, I'm, I'm, I will leave the, the scripts and the narratives and that this is what life is about that comes through my culture and through my friends and through my family, I'm going to be willing to say, no, I'm not going to live according to that. I'm going to follow after God. I'm I'm not going to pursue everything that all this is telling me to pursue. I'm going to choose to say, I pursue God above all else. And here's the amazing thing. is when we actually are willing to leave our culture, our families, our peers, and say, I'll pursue God above everything else. What happens is we are actually freed up to engage our culture, our friends, our family in ways we never could have before. We don't end up less present from those places. We end up more present in those places. Here's a, a, a snapshot of what I, I think this looks like. Uh, the great theologian Augustine had this phrase, rightly ordered loves. Let me hear you say rightly ordered loves. Rightly ordered loves. Now, I'm not concerned that you use that in a phrase today or, you know, around a table. I, I just want to see if you're listening. Um, but the picture, I think a little bit of what you're starting to see God reshaping uh, in, in Abraham. It's not that Abraham, you know, your, your culture's, uh, you know, I mean, there were some really bad things in his culture. But this isn't a picture saying that, that, you know, your culture and your family and your friends are bad things. Or that those are, are just kind of, sometimes they're bad, sometimes they're good, sometimes they're neutral. But what has to happen is that we must, to pursue God, is to begin to rightly order our loves. We are called to love our family. We are called to love our friends. We are called to love our community and our culture where we find ourselves. But what happens in the essence of of sin, Augustine would say, is that we disorder our loves and we love those things more than we love God. We love our family more than we love God. We love our our, our culture more than we love God. We We love all these things. And actually the process that God wants to take us on is to rightly order our loves. It's easy to say no to things that we just don't know. Oh, I'm a follower of Jesus. Well, that, of course, is clearly kind of bad or wrong over here. The greater challenge sometimes is things that actually God has given to us that are good like family and friends and much within our culture. But we have to rightly order those loves. And the pursuit of God is to say this. God, I am going to begin to pursue you above everything else. I'm going to make my life ordered around this one thing, the pursuit of God. And the pursuit of God, whether you, you're someone who does, feels like, I have no idea who God is today, or whether you're someone who feels like, well, I've walked with him, I found him a long time ago, the pursuit of God to know more of who he is is a lifelong quest. It's a lifelong aspiration. It's a lifelong of saying, this one thing, will matter more than anything. Sometimes we think, oh, if we just learned more about God, or if we just kind of knew, uh, uh, got a little bit smarter, or got a little bit more knowledge into our heads, somehow that would be transformative. What Augustine would say is, we are a people who are made for love, we are a people who are made with desire, we're actually made to worship, and life begins to find its proper place. When we direct all that love and passion above one thing all else, we would say today, the pursuit of God. Now, the, the, I guess the, the one thing I would sort of invite you into over the course of this series, over this next three weeks, is to say, you know, what would it look like in my life to really begin to lean into, maybe in ways I never have before, the pursuit of God. Wanting to know more of him. Wanting to say, God, you are the one thing that no matter how much I, I, I feel like I'm starting to know you, I always want just a little bit more. And so over this three weeks, there's, there's a couple things going to encourage you to, to do. If maybe you find yourself today saying, I, I want that. I want to make that my pursuit. I want God to be the thing that I'm kind of hungering most for in my life and going after in my life. But how do I do that? You see, one of the things I think that can happen is we can end up with this temptation... Uh, our, our church, if you're new here, here at True North, well, one of the things we say is we, we want to be a people who passionately pursue the presence of God. But actually, this is what defines us as a church, as a tribe, as a people. We, we want to know the presence, we want to know God, we're pursuing Him. Now, one of the dangers that can happen is we begin to think that's something we do when we gather on Sundays. We think, yep, I, it's Sunday, I better get to church so I can pursue God. But then the reality is it's sort of like Mondays when I pursue everything else. When in fact, the picture of the scriptures, the journey of Abraham, what God wants for every one of us is a people who pursue God throughout every day of the week, every, you know, every facet of life, who have a life that is fully integrated around this idea of pursuing God. And then we gather on Sundays, it's just the pursuers who say, you know what, let's gather and worship this incredible God that we're pursuing. And and, 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 and it, to think that, you know, if we pursue God once on a Sunday, it would have any meaningful transformation of the loves and desires of our hearts. It would just be kind of foolishness. You know, I'm I'm coaching T-Ball. I'm assistant coach now. I know. You guys didn't know I was so important. And um, I'm North Coast Baseball Club, the Brumbies Under Nines, assistant coach. And, uh, you know, and. The head coach was away this week, so I got to be in charge. And um, one of the things I told those guys was, you know, if you guys think we're going to win games just showing up once on Saturday, like, you guys are crazy. And so I told them, if you guys want to win, you want to be a championship team, we got to train. Not once on Saturday, every day. So I gave him a little bit of a speech, and uh, I did not do that, you know. (laughs) Coach comes back. He will never leave again. I tell you that, you know. Just. But honestly, it'd be so foolish to think, you know, if you were trying to achieve anything great, pursuit in life, and you sort of think, yeah, I could do one thing like, for an hour a week, and then direct the rest of my attention and focus to something else the entire rest of the week, and think that you're gonna arrive at the destination you set out to pursue. We all know that that just wouldn't it wouldn't get us there, would it? And and here's what I, I want to encourage you is to say over this 21 days. How do we begin to integrate our lives around saying? I wanna be someone who pursues God. And here's two things that I'm gonna suggest for you you could do. These are just invitations you could be part of. The first is this. Uh, there's a book called The Pursuit of God. It's written by a guy named A.W. Tozer. He heard about this series and he said, I wanna write a book about it. <laughs> Amazing, thing. true story. He did it in the 1950s, incredible um so he this this book i remember i first read this book when i was in university it's it it just was one of those books that really shaped in profound ways for me what it looks like to go from being somebody who just kind of knows about god to pursues god and i want to encourage you i've come back to it so many times since i was in university and i want to encourage you to maybe get this book you can order it from kurong you can download it on kindle Uh, I, i think it's even it's it's incredibly cheap on kindle if you use kindle it like it it's just a great, and it's got 10 chapters, and over this next three weeks, if you read, you know, three and one-third chapters a week, you will have taken in some messages that will begin to reshape some of your thinking about what life's about, about what it looks like to pursue God. And the, the second thing that we're going to do each week is engage in a different kind of practice or habit that every one of us could actually put into our lives, not a Sunday thing, something we can do throughout our days and lives that allows us to pursue God, not once in isolation on a Sunday, but things that allow us to be people who pursue him week in, week out. This week, the first one we're gonna start with is I'm gonna encourage you uh, across our our whole church, anybody who'd like you to fast together on Wednesday this week. Fasting is a practice where we actually get to say, to God, God, I want you this much in my life. I want you so much, I'd be willing to go without food for a period of time. And I'm going to encourage you to consider, especially if you've never done this, fasting is a, a, a spiritual habit, discipline that is always, we see Jesus do this, it's throughout the scriptures, it's something that allows us to pursue God, to make it where it's not like, yeah, I just talk about pursuing, but it actually lets you do something really concrete to say, you know what I want more than even food? God. You know what I'm hungry for? More than, than even food right now. I'm hungry for God. I want more of you, God. And I'm actually willing to say I, I would take some steps and just allow. I remember reading a book once called A Hunger for God by John Piper. And, and, and he has this sentence, this phrase in there that I think kind of always captured the core of it for me. That when you fast, if you are saying, why do you do that? Like what good does that do? Like why? You know, no food. It just doesn't make When you fast you actually say to God in a concrete way every time you feel one of those hunger pains you're saying to God God I'm hungry right now for that but what I'm even more hungry for is more of you and my life and it lets you begin to really step into a space of pursuing God Uh, and, and and Tonight at our 5 p.m. service, I'm going to talk about what it's like to have a hunger for God. Uh, going to have more time to go into the whole idea of what fasting is all about, how this works, what it looks like. If you think, you know what, I, w- I want to step into that. I want more of God. If you're saying this is, a, this is something I could actually do, yeah, I'd be up for that. Come along tonight at 5. We'll have more time to unpack that or catch up with it online. But what I can tell you is it's amazing. Uh, every, every week of this, we're going to try a different spiritual practice or habit that gives us an opportunity to truly be people who are pursuing God. You know, Abraham, he had to literally, physically leave his country, his people, his father's household, all of it, and go. He had to choose to say, yes, Lord, more than all that, I want you. And, and one of the things this doesn't few of us in this room will ever be called to leave our country, you know, to to leave and go somewhere else. But every one of us is called to be willing to say, God, I'd be willing to leave everything else behind. I'd even be willing to not eat for a day if it meant I could draw closer to you. (laughs) Say, Lord, I want you this much in my life. So I want to encourage you. Those are two small things over this next few weeks. That our habits, we can do these, we do them together as a community, as a tribe of people, of believers, and say, you know what, we are people who want to passionately pursue the presence of God. We are so, uh, we, are, we want to be so passionate for the pursuit of God that we're willing to leave all kinds of things behind to say, Lord, what we want more, more than food, more than, more than a safety and security, more than the Australian dream, more than, God, we want you. We want you. It's a pursuit that never, we never reach the end of. It's a pursuit that my hope and dream for you is that you find it one where you just find yourself saying, no matter how much of God I get, I'm always hungry for more. I'm going to pray for us this morning.